Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This thing right here is for my people's history. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be... There is a pause throughout the stadium as the man sounds like he just coughs up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon Trump. Yes, 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 today. Lost Hope Radio. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And if you can do that, then the people talk a lot about their training staff. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. That's right. Yes, yes, today, as we start this show, this one mic. I'm Heist. Our show tonight, our host and our callers are brought to you by Carbon World Health your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the real sports guy, Fitchy, we're back in business better than ever. There's a lot going on right now. Hank, how you doing, man? Uh-oh. Guess what day it is? It's hump day. And, boy, I am hyped to be on tonight. There's so much going on, so much to talk about. And you can tell by my enthusiasm, unknown to mankind, I can't wait to get it on. Man, man, we, I mean, it feels like we had the election, we had losses, we had, my goodness, there's so much to talk about. And so we're going to drop in the opening mic. Post-election, Greg Popovich and Stan Van Gundy, in a way that coaches really sound off, sounded off. And, uh, whoo, pulled no punches. You got those Steve Kerr in there. Steve Kerr was there, but I would say Stan Van Gundy and Popovich, you know, and it's interesting the way uh, football coaches respond versus basketball coaches the players, it seems like there's there's a different element to how they respond to these kinds of things. But when you heard it, Hank, when you heard Van Gundy, you know, right there at Detroit, Detroit basketball, 
and you had, you know, uh, Popovich, go, Spurs, go. Started off in this way. Uh, what were you thinking? You know what? I was, I was, I was, I was shocked to hear, especially Stan Van, just how candid he was, you know, on, in his yeah. statement. Then for Pop to say that, you know, he was sick to his stomach. It says a lot um, about both of these coaches. I applaud both of them for their candor. I applaud both of them for their outspokenness. I mean, they know where they are. They get it. They know what industry they're in. They know the percentage of uh, black players to, to uh, or just players of color, players of different um, uh, uh, nationalities that's in the NBA, and they get it. And they understand, you know, what's been spouted, uh, you know, throughout this entire campaign. This is this campaign was really sickening, you know, right, right from the very start. Um, it really had a little, very little to do with uh, issues and policies, uh, as any other, you know, political campaign would be. It really got nasty. It really cut towards. A lot. We all know this, you know. I'm not saying nothing that no one else is hearing, and and it really divides divided the country in a way that has never been done before. We could always talk about tax cuts, so we could always talk about economy or world trade or 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 defense, but it, it wasn't any of that, and and it, and it really got nasty, and it really started to you know cut hard. I believe it was. Um, I believe it was Greg Popovich that that was talking about that how hard it cut, you know, in regards to just 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 the hatred, you know, and that it what it did for a lot of people was it endorsed that sort of thinking and it really sickened a lot of folks. Uh, and again, this is this has nothing to do with policy or anything like that. It really had to do with. You know how are you going to treat your neighbor? How are you going to treat your brother? And 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 those coaches and using that platform and as quickly as they did while it was still raw, while it was still real, you know spoke out. And I, you have to applaud that. Whether you you agree with it, you know it really had nothing to do with again policy. I can't I can't stress that enough. And those men knowing the the, the players that they coach. Knowing you know what they what what um, where they are, and to speak on that, and we talked about this a little bit the last time we were on, just mm-hmm. how corporate mm-hmm. the NFL is, and and how it's just you know just just window speak if you will, and it was raw and it was real with Popovich and with Van Gundy, and I absolutely applaud them for it, you know, and I, and I can tell you that they spoke for millions and millions of Americans out there who. As we speak today, you know, as we are on our, our on the air tonight, are still protesting, you know, the outcomes of last week. And uh, it's amazing, you know, and uh, you and I were talking about off the air a little bit. You know, people who follow us know my other hat that I wear um, in my work uh, at University of Wisconsin, and what happened at Camp Randall. Um, and you know, Nigel Hayes is just one of my favorite. Not only people, but just I love the way that young man and, and you know people. Well, I work at Wisconsin. I don't, I don't. I haven't really sat down and ever spoke to Nigel. Um, you know, I've, I've been in space with Bronson, and I think amazing what Bronson's been doing in terms of um, 
really uh, bring issues related to what's been happening there in the Dakotas. Um, but, you know, the reaction to the news in Camp Randall um, also sent a shock across the nation in a way that um, gave you a sense, because a lot of these things we talk about, and particularly we like to really frame America in this kind of north versus south. And I think the incident in Camp Randall gave, gave sense to these issues that happen all over America and how this current election allows for things uh, to, to permeate to a point where someone could have an image like that of, of the Secretary of State, um, if you haven't had a chance to Google it, um, and uh, the, the first black president. Um, and the thing I've been saying about it is it's not that the person got past security. Everybody wants to focus on security and things like that. It's the fact that psychologically, they thought they would be okay if only they got past security. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's the part that, that raised a lot of issues. And the way in which the players responded, the teams responded, uh, the way in which the athletic program is, has really fostered and created space for, for the athletes to speak up and be there. Um, and the way the community has been battling back um, and really hit it to the core is what you saw at Missouri, what you will see in other places, you know. And then you have somebody like Saban saying, I didn't watch the election. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that right there, like that, 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 the way in which he can be so dismissive in this space because of his power and privilege, you know, the fact that, you know, those, those people, I hear people, you know, people tell me off lot, those boys in Alabama ain't getting off, they, they going to get out of line. What do you mean? And so we got a bubbling up, and what I love about it is this voice coming from the sports venue, a place where it has power, um, people utilizing their platform in their, in their power. And so uh, it's been a lot bubbling up. You know, for me, I haven't had too many uh, good nights over the, <laughs> the past week or so, both in my professional and personal life, uh, addressing these things on the ground, but, but it's but it, what, gave, what gives me hope is all the folks I've worked with on the ground who I know care deeply about these issues, and particularly when you have student-athletes like the ones in Wisconsin who took not only a position but wrote, wrote a position that they put publicly. I felt like I was, uh, I was like Paul Robeson came back. You know, I felt like there was a young Luel Sidney. You know, I felt like, you know, that voice, willing to put it down on paper, willing to speak it, willing to state their position in ways that I have I haven't seen sometimes non student athletes do in their activism. And so to me I'm like, wow, this is a powerful way that things are being galvanized. Now what are we gonna do with it? And y'all need to know our G gonna be in the middle of it. <laughs> We're gonna do what we need to do. And and we'll be in there and my guy Hank will be out here and uh but I love it when people like Popovich and Van Gundy, people have a platform. Particularly you think about somebody like Van Gundy who is in the Midwest not in Detroit, not far from Flint, uh, in a city that's rebuilding, staying in position. And it wasn't like he was staying it for PR. Anybody who knows Sam Van Gundy, he's going to say what he needs no matter what. And the way Absolutely. he did it, you know, you know, you know folks in the D going to rock with him all day, all night long. But then you got Belichick writing the love letter to Trump. I call it a love letter because when they read it, it sounded, he, he was like, so much, like he was writing a letter to Pat. <laughs> you get a chance to hear about that. I mean, that right. was like he was writing a letter to Patton. Like, 
like if, 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 you, if you look at how New England's struggling, don't don't tell me ain't no stuff happening in that locker room. You got Brady, you know, he's a Michigan man, but so is Ann Coulter. <laughs> you got Brady, she's a missing woman. You got you got Brady putting on the truck hat, hiding in the locker. Like and then you got Belichick writing a love letter. I'm calling it a love letter because just something like it was love. What was your reaction when the when 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 the person who was always talking about staying away from controversy writes a letter that he has to know this guy's gonna read or play in public at some point? Like this is so not Belichickian. It just it, I, I, I couldn't believe when that they said I said this got to be a lie. He got to come out and say that's not me. He read he, he read the letter. It was not from me. It was from somebody who wrote it himself. But he came out and said it was a, a personal letter to a friend. Come on, man. You know what? I, there, let's 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 not get it twisted, okay? One thing that we fail to realize sometimes, us regular everyday folk, is that that's not real life. Uh, what we see mm-hmm. sometimes on TV, it's not real life. What we see in entertainment, it's not real life. What we see in sports, and how some of them people act uh, behind the scenes, is not always what we see out in, in front in the camera. And having said that, you know, before everything really went south, before everything was, you know, you can you can you can use whatever narrative you want for 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 the president elect, if you will. But uh, you know, Tom Brady, the Michigan man that we talked about, came out and openly endorsed him. I was stunned by that, you know, because he wanted something different, is what he said at the time. You know, he had a Make America Great Again cap on. I remember that. Wasn't happy with it. I was disappointed by it. Um, And so I'm not overly surprised that there are a lot of people who are in in the president-elect's hip pocket, if you will, okay, and and thought everything was good. And, And as you said about Nick Saban, a lot of this stuff just rolled over their back. Why? Because it didn't concern them. It didn't concern them in their bubble. It didn't concern them in their world enough to even care to even want to comment on it. Saw him as somebody who was a part of the crowd. Oh, you won? Great. And let's look. Uh, to, to to be as successful as some of these people are, as your Nick Sabans are, as your Bill Belichick's are, is, listen, you got, you got to have a, a single-mindedness that 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 borderlines on madness, that borderlines on lunacy. Okay, the borderlines on nothing else matters. Okay, you're devoid of personality anywhere else. So anybody else's issues, if it does not cross your path, you don't care about. That's what I think this is. Okay, because when they tried to ask him questions about it the other day before the football game, all he kept saying was Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. Now, for you and me, D, and millions of, of people, they're appalled by that. Okay, if you're a New England Patriots fan, you're appalled by that. Okay, if, you, if you're someone who didn't support the, the, the president-elect, you're appalled by that. You don't have anything to say, you know. I would better you say, you know, I, I, you know whatever, you know, but, but, but I'm going to talk about the game. So now you want to be dismissive, okay, but it's out there. But I will say and when we try to put these folks into the same categories of of everyday people, we're going to be disappointed, okay? 
uh, and that's what you that's what you have here. When you have people like a uh, Nick Saban who says, you know, I ain't even watch the election. You know why? Because it doesn't matter to him who wins. Okay, it's not going to impact him one way or the other. Okay, you would think that he would have a little bit more uh, concern for his players or for the student athletes at the University of Alabama, but it lets you know. It gives you a little sneak peek if you pay very close attention to where their mindset is at, okay? I'm going to be a bastard because I can be a bastard, and I don't care about nothing else because if it's not in my world, who cares? And that's what I think happens here. I think that's what happened with Belichick. I'm, 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 I'm really not surprised. I'll be honest with you, when it comes to a lot of that stuff at that level, I'm really not surprised. That's about powerful, of course, if you want to know the truth. I mean, and I, you make some really good points, but, you know, what throws me off is he said Seattle, Seattle. So Pete Carroll on the other side is the coach that when he's at USC, real time in South Central, in neighborhoods, in bringing police officers and neighborhood gang members together, like in the street. And he won as many games as, 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 as Saban's going to win. You know, and he's in all reports, he's still doing it. Even though he's at Seattle, He's still making his trips and connecting with those folks that he built relationships in those communities. To me, as you said, that single-mindedness, I sometimes I think is used as a crutch because no one would say Pete Carroll isn't a great coach. No one would say he's not producing wins. No one would say he's not being dominant. No one would say Popovich is not single-minded. No one would say Van Gundy is not single-minded. I, you know, I think I think in, in some ways you're, you're right. But I think in other ways. This represents the fact that, and, and this was part of where Trump might have been right when he was talking about Clinton, that some of these folks, we're all in the same space. Like the thin line between the circles in which they travel are similar circles. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's your point, is that, that Brady, Brady gets caught when he's at the Trump Plaza. All these folks travel in these spaces. They're at, they're at similar events. They're at golf outings together. They're also they're in these spaces where they kind of cross, where they're able to develop these relationships in the same tax bracket. And so you, you're right. And I think part of it is, is the players in those spaces got to be holding their coaches accountable. Mm-hmm. But let me, let way, me, let me say stars. this. Let me, let, me, let me just interject this now. You, you mentioned Pete Carroll. You mentioned you, you, you mentioned a coach that went to USC, went to South Central, saw what it's like for some of these for these some, some of these players, saw that they didn't have what he had, sat down and talked to him. Okay, you can see the same thing about uh, Stan Van Gundy. You can say the same thing about Greg Popovich. Okay, in fact, you can say that about a lot of coaches across America. Where, you know what, my job is not just to win ball games. My job is to really try to uh, get inside the player and and to you know try to make them a better person if I can. There are coaches that that take on that persona, okay. And so yeah, when you have you know the issues of the world impacting uh, your locker room, you need to be you know equipped to handle that. On the other hand, you have some coaches where you know. This is a business, this is an industry, and I'm part of it. 
And that's what you see. So when you start talking about that social scale, it goes back to what you were saying, that tax bracket and so forth. But but when you look at the Pete Carrolls and stuff like that, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make any uh, dispersions or any assumptions of what he does when he's off the football field. But you can just tell those coaches that, that just have a little bit more going on outside of the X's and O's, okay? And and, and you, I think you, you just mentioned two we're talking about two different sides of the coin here. You're talking about the the the, the, the Stan Van Gundys. You're talking about the Popoviches. You're talking about the Pete Carrolls. And then you've got the other side, which is, you know what, it's all about me and what i got to do, and that and that and and that's your Sabins and that's your Belichicks. You know, no, no coincidence, they're cut from the same cloth, you know. And so it's like whatever's going on doesn't matter to me because you said, like, like you said, you know what, I have no reason – a man ain't done nothing to me. It doesn't matter what he says to anybody about anybody else. They ain't do it to me. And that's kind of what you got there. And, yeah, for for average Joe, that's very insulting. And, you know, what's, what's interesting about that, man, I think you're right, and then you can be very dismissive, right? Your privilege allows you to say certain things. You can act, So you can pay millions of dollars, but you only have to ask any questions. And that level of privilege, that not bestowed on every coach, but on these coaches, uh, is uh, is amazing. And and I think you see some cracks sometimes even in that Patriot locker room. I'm saying it right now. I mean, there was a couple of things, you know, this, in addition to sending Collins away, <laughs> right? So there's some things there that are going to start showing up, people looking at right. those sideways. It'll be interesting the way that our people are judging what it means to play in a Patriot Bill. And so we will we will get there. I'm in closing this segment, Chappelle makes a return to television. Man, I think it might be the best skit ever was the one where they had them where they were watching the election and the results. Yeah. I don't know if you had a chance to watch <laughs> To me, the nuance around that had I was almost in tears. And it was reminding me of why we missed Dave Chappelle. We had, a, we had an appearance by Chris Rock. But the power of uh, comedians, particularly black comedians, uh, in space to really give us a true sense. Because I, I so people were asking me, you know, man, you just got up the next day and kept going after the election. Um, and I'm like, well, you know, I had to do the same thing after Reagan was elected. <laughs> and we all, everybody thought the sky was falling. And do the same thing after George Bush got it. You know, not to say I'm, I'm more than Democrat or Republican. But it tends, in terms of people supporting the policies that I believe in, it tends to be going that way right now. So, so I woke up. I woke up the next day like we got to get back to work. And it, the funny thing about it was that skit was like right on point. Uh, and, and the biggest thing when the, when the state when Kentucky went down, and um, and and the, uh, the, the woman said, "There's a whole bunch of races in uh, Kentucky. That's why I went down." And then. Chappelle just gave it a look like only in Kentucky, and then you saw all the states that I. But that was like that was the skit, man, that kind of just summed up the experience for for me for for Black America. Um, right. But uh, it was so good to see him uh, back on stage. What, what was your opinion? I mean, we had we had we had uh, uh, we we had him all, and then uh, you know we had we had we had a parents for Buster. We had the whole nine coming in. Uh, uh, on a yeah, tribe, 
the whole nine coming in. But what was your what was your feeling about Saturday Night Live? I haven't watched it in a while. You know what? I have not caught that skit. I've heard a lot about it, but uh, mm. from everything I've heard, I think that uh, it, it it did kind of like personify uh, what everybody kind of went to bed that night thinking. You know, it's overconfidence. You know, I, you you know, I was uh, I was in Las Vegas last week uh, on business, yes, and. Right. And I was watching the, the I was watching the election, you know, bits and pieces of it. You should have put some money down. <laughs> Man, let me tell you something. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I kept it in my pocket because I would have left out. I would probably had to get a job, you know, out there because I was thinking about not just putting some money down on that, but putting some money down on Michigan too. And I wouldn't have got back home, you know. So, <laughs> so I'm glad I just kept it in my pocket. But the funny thing about it. I was watching the election and I was watching the Michigan game the same way. You know, all we need is one more play and we can put this away. And it never came. You know, it's like we kept fumbling the ball or, or something kept on happening or we got a bad penalty or, or somebody did. We went to the election, you know, we waiting for this county to come in. It don't ever come in. It was, it was, it was the most uncomfortable feeling. You know, so I get that. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, I said, I had that feeling twice in one week for I needed some Pepto-Bismol. I thought I was going to have to have surgery. I, I I just knew I had a peptic ulcer on Sunday morning. <laughs> and after a while, I was like, it down goes crazy. Yeah, after a while, it's like they about to kick this field goal and run off the field on me. And it happened to me twice. Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. This is when we talk about the intersection between sports and society. Nothing better than the way my man just put it down on him again. I love it. That, you, hit it you hit it right out the park on that one. That was it. Well, we're going to, uh, after this musical in the league, we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA. Trump-style dig 
at LeBron and the crew if I called him the toxic. And then uh, <laughs> did his voice, uh, Carter comes back, and then he comes back responding to Phil. What do you make about that exchange? You know what? I think Phil did a little bit of backtracking. Okay, I think I think he I think he, that's exactly what he did. You know, because what 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 did, what did he call it? Uh, uh, what, what what was the name he, he gave it? Posse Foundation. He called the posse. He called the posse. He called the posse. Yeah, the posse foundation or something like that. So I think he had to do a little bit of backtracking on that. Uh, you know, he come out. He another one. You know, he think he'd have been around the brothers his whole life, and, you know, he's, he's the, the Zen master. He can say whatever come out of his face, and he got cracked. That's exactly what happened. And so uh, in his interview, you know, he was talking about, cause I, you know, just to give a little backstory on it, from what I read, you know, that uh, LeBron, when he was with the Heat, wanted to spend the night in uh, in Cleveland after a game in Cleveland. And, they, and teams don't normally do that. They usually go back with the team. Uh, you know, players go back with the team on the plane the same night. And so uh, the, the conversation was really about, uh, you know, um, when, when Spolstra had the, had, the, had the heat when they had uh, Wade there and LeBron was there, and Spolstra was trying to get LeBron to come back, and uh, he went to – because they were talking about Pat Riley, when Pat Riley was the GM, and he was like, so – you know, he calls Pat Riley up and says, so what are we going to do? He said, look, you, you come with the team, you leave with the team. And so Phil Jackson kind of said, you know, well, that's what LeBron's supposed to do. He was leave with the team. He can't be hanging out with his posse. And they took offense to that. You know, so, you know, Phil Jackson had to come back later. And never, he didn't apologize, but he kind of gave a, uh, a, a, what I would call a, a quiet, uh, okay, y'all, y'all do what y'all have to do sort of thing. But, again, you got to be careful what you say, okay? You got to be careful who yeah. you are, and and what you say and who you're saying it to. And LeBron got on him. He was like, "Look, you know, you you <laughs> you you used to be Phil Jackson. I am LeBron James, you know." <laughs> and what's crazy about it is, you know, uh, is I think LeBron was trying to get him to stay after day, so that they could do a they could do like a Thanksgiving meal for the team. So it wasn't just right. about him. He was going to stay a little extra day to do a meal for the team. And, you know, talking to, you know, I know uh, Kenny and folks are talking about this, like, and some other folks are saying, look, the way it works is you will look at the schedule. You'll see that uh, you play, usually you play L.A., you'll play the Clippers one night, the Lakers one night, then you might play the Sacramento. And so rather than flying up to Sacramento, they'll lobby to see if we can stay one more night in L.A., then go to Sacramento. And usually what they were saying that coaches would say is that, look, we'll see how we're doing. But that meant if we're on a winning streak, y'all get to stay an extra night. So, like, this isn't something that just even – and usually the captains or the leaders will go to the coach and make that request. So usually it's not just the star players. I bet you Michael did that with Phil. You know, everybody was like, hey, hey, let's stay another day. Maybe we can fly to Vegas. You know, and Phil is probably like, yeah, if we win, we can do it. So it's not something from, you know, you hear NBA players say that's even just bestowed to the star. They may, they may sound like star treatment, but there are teams that will be looking at the schedule when it comes out and say, look, you know, especially if you're in Miami or Atlanta, some of these places, if there's a way to stay in extra day, people are going to try and lobby stay in extra day. And the most likely people 
to go and lobby to do that would be the stars of the Capitol. So in this case, right. LeBron. Now, everybody said, well, Stan actually being in Cleveland ain't like Stan actually in L.A., but LeBron was hoping to have his mother. I think he was talking about having like a dinner at, at his mother's house. So that right. still was a team-related activity, just like Wade just did in uh, Miami for his team when Chicago went down there. They went over to his house. He hosted a meal at his house in Miami. So, you know, Phil, it's back what you're saying. Some of these cats, man, just be seeking out of turn. Like, like it's like, you know, I've gotten away from criticizing sometimes these young MCs or, or whatever. It's just, it's just like you had your time, man. LeBron is LeBron is created to Akron Thomas. Phil, yeah. what have you done? You know what exactly. LeBron is, and, LeBron, and, and that's LeBron, it, LeBron, Steve. And, and that, you know, they're they creating, they're changing opportunities for people. All His posse is training opportunities for people in northwest, uh, northeast Ohio, excuse me. What are you doing? Exactly. You, 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 exactly. You, 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 you drain from the Knicks. Where's that money going? Are you helping some kids <laughs> in Brooklyn, in the Queens? Are you doing stuff for kids in the Bronx? Where, where's the Phil Jackson problem in the Bronx? Like, it, exactly. it, I'm tired of these cats here talking all this jumping in. They're not doing anything. Get off, get off, get off LeBron, man. You know get what? And I, I'm going to give know, him credit for that because he, he has absolutely – you know, changed, you know, uh, uh, his, his whole narrative on how he is off yeah. the court. You can say what you want to about him and anything like that, but it is strictly from a sports-related, you know, perspective that you would have with LeBron James. You can say you can't stand him because he's in Cleveland or whatever you want to say. But what, what that young man does off the court just needs to be recognized. I mean, he, he, you can he change my opinion on him simply because of that, because he's genuine with it, you know, and, and, and that to me, it, you know, speaks to anything than what he's done on the court or what, because he has done something for his community, for he knows his, his, his poor community that he grew up in, and, and he's to be commended for that. And anybody who's criticizing him just so they can get them a few, you know, blurbs in this paper or that paper just so somebody can remember what you used to do, you know, Phil Jackson, you know, it, that's all that was. And, and that's all it was, and, and he got popped on it, and he had to kind of figure out a way in his own way with his, with his ego to kind of like, you know, ease the pain a little bit. That's what I got out of it when I read his, uh, what you want to call his quote-unquote retraction. And, and what I would say, Phil Jackson, just make it to a few more games, watch your team play. Like, mm-hmm. work on that. Make it to some of these, uh, these, these camps. I saw you in the guard watching – the, uh, the teams play last night, but man, you know, be present before you can start talking about what other people are doing. Get your team, get your team to the playoffs. You know what? You ain't gonna get never get me team. to say anything nice about Phil Jackson anyway. I always thought he was a parasite, you know, because it just seems like to me he would only go to the team where the superstars were, and that's the only time he won. And I think what you're looking at with New York. He's got a superstar in name only in Carmelo Anthony, but he doesn't have any, and everybody wants to say, well, this, that, and the other thing. No, this is what we talked about back in the 80s and the 90s with this cat. You know, he'll go yeah. and grab, he'll go play with Kobe. He'll go coach Kobe and, and Shaq. Oh, he'll go coach Michael and, and Scotty. Okay. Oh, yeah. Anybody could go and coach those teams. They could say, well, no, no, that's it. All right. You can't build a team, and you can't do, and it don't work everywhere, Zen Master. So shut up. Your time has passed. 
And every time you say the playoffs, I just think this, Phil. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You right. <laughs> right. <laughs> kidding me? Playoffs? You'd <laughs> be lucky we can finish the season. <laughs> playoffs. Kill it, man. Get out, get out of here, <laughs> Phil. All right, y'all. Hey, all the hosts and callers are brought to you by Carbon World Health. Uh, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them the real sports guy sent you. Hey, we love we love Dr. Rodriguez. We're going to get him back on. We're we already in the lab working on our next RSD Live in the Madison area. Keep, keep, keep your eyes and ears open. we got some other things we're going to drop. We're going to be coming to you. I think next time we're in Madison, we might even see a sighting. For my guy here, Hank. Hank might be on the scene. You want to have some more Hank's going to be on the scene. Ain't no mic to it. <laughs> <laughs> I already told you. I'm there. I'm going to beat you to the studio. We're about to go. We're about to take another level. You know, I'm in the lab just working hard at it. So we right now, we're still in the cypher right now. We, we just finished talking about Phil's crazy comments. And now I'm going to focus on the resurrection known as James Harden. Man, Dan Tony got up there, put James Harden at point guard. He said he got another second coming of Magic Johnson. He tripled doubling. I mean, I saw him breaking ankles. It's like he, he like Bradley do Like, this cat is playing. Have you, I don't know if you had a chance to watch him, but Harden, I don't know what it's going to translate into, but I love the way he's playing. He still need to work on that D, though. I said he had hit a couple. I think he might have made Shaq and the Fool on his defensive opportunities. But I like the way the continuity on their offense and the way they run it. Uh, I think Danny Tony found, uh, found probably the best and perfect player for his system. I don't know if you had a chance to watch that hard, but I like the way this is playing. If they can play a little bit better, better team defense, you know, it would be interesting to watch the way Houston uh, evolves. They give him a couple of years to kind of put it together. I-A-T. I A T. That stands for it's about time. Okay? How long we have to wait for James Harden? Okay, this man, a couple of years ago, I thought he was going to be the next superstar of the league. Okay, if you remember that series with uh with Houston and, and Golden State, James Harden looked like he was gonna yeah. take the, the Rockets to the promised land by himself. Then all of a sudden he realized, oh, I ain't got to work this hard, all right? This Look here, he, he he's already – we know what he can do. We've seen this before. I don't think it has anything to do with D'Antoni. I mean, yeah, he's triple-doubling everything, but James – I mean, but Harden already had that talent. It was whether or not he wanted to apply himself. Okay, we've seen him take plays off. It's still early in the season, but it's about time. But the question with him will always be, can you sustain this throughout the, throughout the season? You know, I'm, I, he was he was slowly becoming one of my favorite players until last season. You know, I liked his game. I liked his physicality around the basket. I liked his touch. I liked what he was doing. And then he just kind of quit playing when he got his contract. So it's about time. Yeah. Can he sustain it is the yeah. big question. And, and, and he got away from Kardashian. You know, I think, I think after a while that <laughs> – no, I think, I, you know what? I, 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 I'm not blaming the Kardashians, but I think they have an effect on stuff. So everybody says that in a way that they blame the Kardashians. Kardashians are the Kardashians. I'm not. That's like when 
when when people complain that the alligator at whatever Disney World ate or about the kid, the alligator was in the alligator. The kid yeah. was in the alligator. So, right. Know, and I'm saying you can't blame the Kardashian to the Kardashian. You and they face, they're gonna be Kardashian. And exactly. if you fall into it then then that's just what you're doing, but I'm not I'm not being judgmental on this. But I call them, I'm they have a superstar crack. Everybody else is like, man, smile. Well, he That's is cool. angry. 
it, it, it's his team, and it's his team now. I don't know. I'm I'm still not convinced that that he's ready for that role. Okay, he might think he is, but I'm not. I'm not convinced of it. You know, uh, I, I I think that as, as as talented as Westbrook is, you know, Westbrook. I, you, I said it last time we talked about this. You know, he, he he as good as he is, he will he will kick that uh, nice cold glass of water over in the mud just as quick as you can say your name twice, because he just he, sometimes he just don't play discipline down the stretch, and while he's angry and when, and what y'all what what y'all say he's on um, scorch earth, you know what he 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 could just be just just uh, steaming earth by the end of the season. I don't I, I'm not convinced he can sustain that. And I'm, but I am convinced that his mindset is that he's going to have to. What we, what, what an 82 game NBA season will wear you out. It will wear you out. But I just think that that mission he got, it only, it's, it's going to be hard for him to sustain that uh, through the whole season and then through the playoffs if they make it. Well, in, in, actually, I mean, in another player we have is that you know they talk about the bump that some players get when they play in the Olympics. DeMar DeRozan is having Jordan-like numbers. From the, from the city of Compton, DeMar DeRozan, 32, 33.2 points, uh, 3.3 assists, 4.9 rebounds. I mean, he is clowning. Um, and with no, with no real jump shot. Like, he's doing old school. Like, you know, we talk about Curry and all these guys. Curry hit the number three. DeRozan hit this stuff like, I mean, his numbers is comparable to a Jordan in the fit that he takes probably the same number of threes as Cats took back then. You know, that tells you how, you know, I mean, he's he doing it like Oxidum did it, you know, because he don't shoot that many threes. All this stuff is pull-ups or to the hoop. So to be averaging that many points, the hard way is amazing, man. I don't know if you have a chance to play or see him, man, but he's been – I was watching, you know, before we came on tonight. You, uh, I, you know, that's a that's a great segue, by the way. Uh, before we came mm-hmm. on tonight, um, Toronto was playing Golden State, and I was watching a little bit of that game. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, true to form, you know, DeRozan got off to a decent start a little bit, but then Golden State started to get up on him. When we came on the air, Golden State was up by ten points. I saw them take mm-hmm. the lane away from him. I saw them try to make him shoot from the outside, and that's his Achilles heel right now. Okay, I saw him start to force some shots. Very good young player, but but I saw, I, and knowing who was going to talk about him tonight, I made it a purpose to really just pay real close attention to his game. Um, mm-hmm. And and what I from what I saw, uh, obviously in the weak East, they're gonna they're going they're gonna make a playoffs easily, you know, especially in that division, but. Uh, if if he's going to have to develop some sort of perimeter game because if he can't if he can't get with inside now he's doing great now again but you have to all of this you got to take with a grain of salt we're in November all right and as you just mentioned you got some of these players coming off the Olympics they've got their stroke and everything is good the the rigors of this season has not hit anybody yet okay and so right now he's looking fantastic. I'm always about sustainability because he, he, you know, he's, he's coming out of nowhere, you know. Outside, outside of some basketball purists looking at who Demar Derozan is, you know, he's looking great now. He's leading the league right now in scoring, but that's it, 
okay? As you mentioned, three assists, uh, four rebounds. Um, in, in comparison, you look at uh, Westbrook or you look at uh, Paul, you know, that's, that's also, you know, leading the, team and leading the league in assists right now and steals and other categories. So it's almost like he's one-dimensional. But, again, we got to keep our eyes open for keep our eyes open uh, to watch him this season. And then there's the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, my guy Lamar, who was a contributor every once in a while, you know, we, if you follow us on Twitter, I'm at uh, 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 RFGDWilf um, on Twitter. You got me out. You know, we got Lamar coming back. All these, all these Lakers fans. But I got to say this. Luke Walton's in coach. I mean, he got these cats. They don't have some pretty solid victories over some good teams. You watch the way they play. He's got a good blend between his young guys and his, his, his veterans. He's finding a rotation for them to find their space. Swaggy T looked like he like his days in Philly when he was really shooting the ball. You know, it, it the, you know they got past all the the phone incident and everything. Figure out a way to get back there. Luke Walton seems to be the right kind of person in L.A. I know Steve, you know, my, my brother and your friend is loving it, saying, singing the song and everything else. A little, don't get too happy, but they actually look like they can play. They look like they got a future. Uh, what's your opinion about how the Lakers look out there? I think it's more of an indictment on Luke Walton's ability to coach. I mean, I looked at their roster today. It don't excite me. Okay, a uh, lot of young players, but I think Luke. Walton, first of all, you know, think to it. Luke Walton was doing work last year when uh, Steve Kerr was out. The man can flat out coach. He's uh, going to bring some excitement back to the Lakers side of the farm, but again, uh, it, they, they, they've got some guys you got to kind of like look at because the, the 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 roster don't excite me too much yet. Um, you know, he got off to a to a to a, a nice start. You know, got some nice wins, but uh, we again we let, let, let's let's look at it right around Christmas and see what we're talking about the Lakers. I think they were two games up, two games above 500 uh, going into play tonight. Uh, let's keep an eye on, but but make no mistake about it, Luke Walton. That was a great hire. They get you know, and 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 I think those guys are going to play hard all season. Um, I think they're going to surprise some people. But I, but it's going to be hard for them in the playoffs because there's some teams that's just a little bit over them, you know the Portland Trailblazers, which is my dark horse team in the West. I love them, you know, uh, and, and, and we're just going to have to see right now the Clippers. We're going to talk about a little bit later. You know they're playing they're playing mm-hmm. like a house of fire right now, you know. So so we just have to keep our eye on them again. Uh, but I think uh, I think that, uh, that they're going to look a little bit better than what we. What we thought, but I think what, what I like about what Walton's got them doing is that they're playing cohesive. They're playing as a team. Um, I think the fact that Kobe was there last year did kind of uh, retire the growth of that team, and now you're starting to see them play more of a, as a unit, and that's why you see some really nice wins coming early in the season. And, and this is why, you know, as much as I, 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 I crush Phil, because I do think he gets a little more credit. There's some things I think he did well, but I think there's some things in here that we can argue, most people argue that all day long. But the one thing I do think Phil was probably right on, and people get caught up in it, but I think the, the concept that Phil was trying to do, I think the fact they're running a the triangle is good. 
Because what it does with a young team is create some continuity and structure involvement. Right. The thing that kills a lot of young teams is you have too many ball killers on the floor. You know, I think that's sometimes a problem um, with, you know, like Washington. I think Washington would be a better team if they had an offense that had more continuity in ball swinging that created a little bit more movement. I think they would be a much different team. I think you can manage. I think you watch the Lakers, they manage um, uh, last five-minute stretches much better than they did before. I think a lot of that has to come from having an offense where there's continuity built in it rather than too many um, – not that they don't make decisions, but it's made decisions are made within structure, right? And I think that stuff to me is very fun. But I think the funniest moment was when they beat Sacramento, <laughs> and, and Boogie Cousins went up. It was it, you know you had Kentucky cats all over there. Yeah, Boogie Cousins at the end of the game walking up to Julius Randle, they had some words. And if you, the picture of Boogie looking at them, and then the Laker guy looking back at him like, like my boy from Miami used to say, "What you thought." Just like, like, what, what you going to do, man? We don't beat you right. on the floor. We ready to fight right now. It was, I said, that was a twist in the Lakers, right? It like a unified look. They all look back at him like, oh, so you're going to walk up with my boy. And if you, ever, if you get a chance to see that exchange, you can look at it on YouTube, uh, Boogie Cousins in a, at the end of the game having that conversation. And then when they, they interviewed Boogie Cousins, you know, he said, I was just showing a little bit of Kentucky love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that, that, that to me told me everything I knew needed to know about the impact of Lou Walton on that team. Yeah. Like nobody walked away from it. Like we, you ain't bullying us. And I think you're right. Taking Kobe out of that locker room and forcing leadership, kind of like taking Megatron out of the Lions. We want to talk about that. Forcing people right. to step up when you don't have a budget, right? I think it's very important. But silently under this. It's like a coming of the storm. It's like something that came out of the LBC. It's like a, a small person named Chris Paul, and his crew was like silently rolling, rolling over people. <laughs> Not just beating them, they just rolling over them, dominating them. You know, they, 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 they had a brawl in the mall or whatever it was up in Toronto. Derailed their season last year. Somehow they must have gone and got on the banana boat together without LeBron. And figured out how to mend their fences, and the Clippers are silently just crushing people. Is Doc Rivers figuring it out? You know what? He's got a very, very talented team. He's got a big three over there. Okay, mm-hmm. he has a big three over there. Um, if he can keep them healthy, you know what happens to the Clippers all the time is, you know, they could be just flying, and then something will happen to Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll miss a third of the season. Then Chris Paul might get hurt, you know, um, and, mm-hmm. and and you know if they can stay healthy, I mean they, they are the team. It, no, it, it's not a stretch. They are the team of LA right now. Okay, they're a very good team. You know, like I said, like I said, like he got in Boston, he's got a big three here, and he's got a decent. Guy. You know, DeAndre Jordan is playing out of his mind early. Okay, mm-hmm. and you know you you've got you've got everybody else. Another looking. Huh. Yeah. Another Olympian. I said another Olympian playing, yes. playing, playing I mean, great, right? So, so the, the thing is about them is, and I, and I keep saying, I know, I know, and I'm sounding like a broken record. Can you stay sustained with this team? They just got to stay healthy. You know how many? Yeah. You know it's funny. They one of those teams 
that 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 was that that should run in the up three games to one and lost the series relay, you know, in, in the playoffs last mm-hmm. year because uh, they've yeah. got that kind of talent. Okay, they got a very impressive roster. Okay, they got some guys that can shoot the ball. They can play in the paint. Okay, they can cut to the hole. They can do a lot of different things. You know, you bring uh, a, a cagey veteran like Paul Pierce over there to try to wrap it up. You've got a good squad. Okay, can they finish? Can they finish? I, I'm just going to be honest with you. If they can't do it this year, I think of any team in the West right now, that is one team that can truly challenge um, Golden State because they have the size in the paint. They can play in the paint. They can play in the paint. They can play on the perimeter. So if they can stay okay. healthy, then then they're they're, they're going to give. I don't think with this, that's one team. I don't think it's just a fluke. I don't think it's a fluke early. I think they can sustain that throughout the season. And what's interesting when you think about them, and I look at them, I've been you know taking a look at it. You know, uh, uh, Griffin is averaging 20 points a game. Uh, he's got nine rebounds, almost um, two steals per game. So he's playing some defense, um, you know, and they're spreading the minutes out. But you, you got Chris Paul is about 19 a game. Uh, he's got Chris Paul at his size is averaging five rebounds and eight, yeah. eight assists, almost steals. I mean, everybody's talking about MVP, man, that's, that that's pretty good numbers. I mean, you got Crawford averaging eleven. Reddick, I mean, I mean, you hit me right on. I mean, you look at DeAndre Jordan's averaging almost two blocks a game. Right. <laughs> right up there. I mean, right up it, there it, in the it, league, it, league and, and rebounds. I mean, they got they they've got all the pieces. Okay, they've got you know you got you got Jamal Crawford out there. You got Paul Pierce who can come off the bench. You got. Uh, you got again. You got a, probably one of the most solid lineups in the West going forward. I mean, take nothing away from the other teams out there. You know, we got to see what San Antonio is going to bring back this year. We, you know, um, I know they're supposed to be with, without the big fundamental. You know, without the big fundamental this year. But you know, they were doing their thing without him. But this team is due. You cannot. You really can't yeah. argue that of all the teams in the West right now, we spend a lot of time talking about Golden State. Spend a lot of time talking about Oklahoma City. Aren't the Clippers due? Aren't they about due? Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it right here. When you think about it, so one thing I said is the problem with the Golden State move that they made is that as great as Durant is, all he did was give them more of what they do well. Exactly. He a gap. And in fact, when you, look, when you look at, so you say, okay, what was the cost of getting him? The cost is you got Mo State uh, playing for the Clippers at center. So, when DeAndre Jordan gets in trouble, you got a guy who can come in and do something defensively and offensively, right, in a system. So now they got a little mm-hmm. post threat that you can bring in. On top of it, you got Brandon Bass, you got Raymond Felton, you got you got uh, uh, Mute, you got going on, mm-hmm. you got Wesley Johnson. You think about that bench and think about it. If if you know, as and I've been able to watch the Diamond Stone thing from the time he was in high school. But now you got a young kid like this who gets to sit on the bench and be professionalized in a way that yeah. he doesn't have to jump in and do it. He can just learn how to learn the NBA, right? Right. And if he can get, if by the end of the season, if he can give you seven quality minutes in the playoffs, this is a great player and athlete, but now he gets to do it under the tutelage of Chris Paul, Doc, Doc Rivers, that whole unit, 
you know, someone like Jamal Crawford who came out early, who can let him know how to adjust to life in L.A. Right. You know, right. you, you, if you're going to come and play for a coach, you take a young kid like this, if he, if you can take time, but if he can give you anything by the time you get to April, where he can give you five, six minutes, because he's a great threat, my goodness. So you start looking at this, this team, is with, and he can block shots. So right. he can block shots, and he's an offensive guy. So if, you, if he can start being part of that rotation with Spates and Jordan by the end of the year, now that's, now you don't worry as much about Jordan getting in foul trouble or him being fouled down the stretch. I mean, he, he, there's, some, there's some good stuff here, man. And, you know, I wasn't like saying, you know, I'm a Doc Rivers fan, but I was worried about him because, you know, it wasn't translating. And on top of it, you know, Chris Paul's legacy taking a little hit because that's a team yeah. that should have been at least in the NBA Finals by now. You know, right now. he hasn't been able to get out. They have been able to get early. They have been able to get out some early, early uh, um, uh, rounds. And but I don't I know. know. I know frustrating him. I don't know if their right. team has ever been this well-rounded. Okay, you could take yeah. you could again. You there were some things that if 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 uh, if Blake went out or if something happened to Chris Paul, that was pretty much their whole team. You just didn't have mm-hmm. somebody on the back end that that could just take over. This is they have a quintessential. When you look at their roster, they have a quintessential old school roster. They got their big up front. Okay, they got guards that can shoot, they can penetrate, they can dribble drive, they play good defense, they can block shots. They are they are they are a throwback team in my opinion. You know, this, if, if they can't get it done, they're not going to get it done. I, I this is this this because I don't. Yeah, yeah, taking the the, the um, Warriors can shoot the lights out, but what we saw last year is how you defend against the Warriors. Okay, you make them play in the paint, you take them to the hole, you wear them out. This team in the West can do that. I would love to see the. I would love to see Golden State and Cleveland. That would be an old school romp in the finals. I'm telling you, that would be fun mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be one of those. Uh, that, that would be one of those straight up. We going at it, hitting the head. That might be like when you know when Magic and uh, um, uh, uh, Zeke, <laughs> you know, two yeah. friends facing each other. You know, yeah. and uh, kind of thing where people just don't go at it. Well, hey, when we come back, we go as KRS One, the teacher. I've been listening to a lot of that kind of music lately, just kind of giving me perspective. We're gonna do a segment called "I Think Very Deeply" after this musical interview. <laughs>
we're back. We're going to go into this segment that's called I Think Very Deeply. And this is a segment that is, you know, going to allow us to get a little deeper into uh, some issues. It's kind of like, you know, in this, in this, in this, in this season of elections and races, we have the race for the football championship. And I want to know who's for real and who's a fraud. Who's for real and who's a fraud? Now, if you're for real, that means all your body of work, there's something about you that everybody believes that you have the goods to do it, like that everything you're doing has substance. If you are fraud, then folks are like, it's all window dressing. It's, it's, it means, you know, y'all been doing it with smoke and mirrors, and we're not believing you. So in our current rankings right now, in the top six, you got Alabama at number one, Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, Clemson at four, Louisville at five, Washington at six, Wisconsin at seven, and I'll stop right there. We got a few other teams lurking around there, but those are the teams who appear to be in somewhat of a hunt if things happen and run their way. So I guess I'll start. I've been having Hank kind of go first. I'll say who's for real. Well, you know what? I, I, let me tell you this. Before we get started, hey, sir, I'm gonna get that. <laughs> you, what, huh? you got something you want to add on? What, what you gonna say? What you gonna say? Listen, before I get started, I gotta do something. I do every. I'm gonna do every week now. First, I'm gonna give a shout out to my boys, the Broncos of Western Michigan University, my alumni, my alum, uh, because they're ranked number 21. They're the only undefeated uh, school in the state of Michigan. So go Broncos! Go Broncos, go Broncos. So now y'all know, the brown and gold. Western win this game. Okay, now back to the show. Where <laughs> <laughs> Don Teddy took that hey, game, baby. I will tell you, look, we got to go Broncos, brown and gold. Anyway, ain't nobody more real than Alabama, okay? Alabama is as serious as cancer, all right? Uh, what I learned is from this past week about this college football season is that atmosphere means everything. Okay, we're we're truly not dealing with professionals. We're dealing with we're dealing with uh, young football players, and atmosphere means everything, and pressure means everything, and that's what we're seeing right now. I think Nick Saban's got a bunch of robots up there in Tuscaloosa. Does nothing seem to phase that team, even when they look bad. They're good enough to overcome. They're absolutely serious, okay? They're, 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 they're for real, okay? I think my boys in Mason Blue is for real. But as, as, I, but as I preferenced, I think that if you come out there feeling yourself, you're going to get caught. Ask Clemson, all right? Um, I think your boys are for real, uh, D. I think Wisconsin is the real deal. I'm still concerned about the offense, but no team in America has played with more heart and with more 
you know, just just fervor than the Wisconsin Badgers. They have been counted out about a dozen times this year because of their schedule. And, you know, your boy Paul Chris said they were going to turn it into an opportunity, and he's made good on it. I'm going to tell you right now, he should be the leading candidate for Coach of the Year this year. Yeah, he. Um, I had a chance to watch him up close. And, you know, Lovey, Lovey's trying to get his crew together. I'm probably about 10 feet away from Lovey Smith. Um, watching him trying to get that group. And I think he's building the foundation. You know, young young Jeff George Jr. throwing in such like his daddy. But I think he got talent <laughs> like his daddy. Um, but, but Wisconsin got leadership. Like, they're not going to lose to the team they ain't supposed to lose. They're going to beat them. And they're going to play tough against the Michigan. They're going to take them to the, to the wire. Um, so I agree. Um, and uh, this is going to be surprising. I think Alabama's for real, but I got a feeling I'm nervous about the Iron Bowl for them and, because I think it's a perfect scenario because I think Auburn is learning some stuff about themselves that, and they got the kind of talent that could, even with a robot, could shock to shock folks, um, but I think Alabama. It, it would get, but I think it's a rivalry game, right? Because a rivalry game is a little bit different than any other game. I think rivalry game. So records out the window, they rivalry game, and they're tough. So that's a bump they better not take lightly. But when you talk about a team of eighteen to twenty-four year olds, nobody's put together better than Alabama. Um, and so I, I would say that that that. Um, that 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 that's a team that's uh, that's right there uh, where they're supposed to be. The, the other team that I say is uh, pretty solid um, uh, in here. Um, I think they've learned from their losses, even though I don't like the coach at all. For this exercise, is Clemson because the one thing they got going for them is they have. Um, they have a coach, and they have a team who's been there, and they they got a quarterback that's feeling like he's being criticized, um, but has a lot of talent in Deshaun. And so, I, I would be very. I think they got. I think, and they don't have too many things in their way going down the stretch. Um, Michigan, I think, with everybody talking about their their um, their quarterback being hurt, but I watched in the spring game. And the quarterback they have in, I thought he was actually got he'll be better for him because he got more movement. Um, Amen. I thought what they were missing. And going into the Iowa game, you know, I said I wouldn't worry about anything about Michigan, but this was this is a quarterback game. This is what we're gonna see whether or not State is ready for prime time. Because this was a game he was gonna have to win and he demonstrated he was gonna struggle with prime time. Whereas I watched some of those other quarterbacks in the spring game, I'm like they're not going to miss much if they start those quarterbacks. It's not a big drop. Michigan is loaded at quarterback. I don't think people understand that. And I think, in fact, having a quarterback with a little bit more mobility and then adding in their Heisman Trophy candidate into the offense could make them even more dangerous going into Ohio State game. And having a game, I think for Michigan, it's going to be similar to what um, the young man for Ohio State did when he came in for those last few games. He's going to give them an energy and a look that they didn't have in, in some ways will be to an advantage going into Columbus. The team I got I got I gotta got chime in on let me let me chime in on that okay, real right. quick uh, are you right you, you me and you right down the same path there. I have to chime in on that. I agree with you one hundred percent. In fact it's my opinion that because Wilton Spate was just ahead of the game with the offense and knew more of the offense, 
that it gave him a little bit more of a relaxed feel in practice. You, we were, but we were sitting right there next to each other at the spring game. We saw John O'Corn. We were really excited, and we was really hoping. Now, as a Michigan fan, you're going to go along with the program. We were winning, okay? But this is this is a time nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. But Coach Harbaugh is one of those kind of coaches. Is that I'm not going to pull you out if I name you the starter. He did the same thing in the pros. If you remember in San Francisco, he stayed with Alex Smith until he got hurt. Then he went with Kaepernick, and then Alex Smith was done. Something tells me we're looking at the same scenario coming up on Saturday, and I actually think it may be a blessing for Michigan going into Columbus. Yeah, I, I hear you. The, the team that is a fraud, because I've seen, I watched them in person, is in Camp Randall. In this contest, this exercise, is Ohio State. And I said it after they left, after they left, uh, before they played Penn State, I called it. And, and the problem that if you look at Ohio State, which is different than their other teams you've had, so this also speaks to Meyer's job as a coach. He does, a, he does an excellent job of masking weaknesses. This is where, you know, this is where being a great coach like he is, I got a lot of problems with him. You can't argue with him as a coach. I, know, I think he does a really good job of masking weaknesses. But if you spend time watching Ohio State, you basically got to stop two players at all. They don't – if you look at the majority of plays, if J.P. Barrett isn't running it, right, run for first down, or throwing – he don't throw deep a lot. So they don't throw the deep ball a lot. Then, then you, the, 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 that's one major piece. But then they, they basically, uh, beyond that, are, are, are going to one or two other players. And so they don't have a very diversified offense if you really pay attention to what they're doing. So I think Penn State read that, saw that. If you watch the way they played them, they pretty much – they, they pretty much stopped it in that way. And I think Michigan's defense, because they have so much versatility of defense and have a, 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 a player that they can put anywhere on the field on defense to cause problems, and then now the thing about Iowa, Iowa's a power running team. Line up with the fullback, power. I think this is where Michigan will have some struggles with Alabama, is that, that, they're, that they're a power running team but 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 against a team like Ohio State that's got a good offensive line, but they don't line up in a power set where 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 the linebackers in Michigan have to be taken on the fullback a lot, then I don't see that as a as a problem because they they only got really two players on offense who do anything and none of it's a threat going deep, which is what you got to do against Michigan. If you watch the way a team like Alabama plays, uh, they don't hit you deep. They're going to pound you, pound you, and then, then Kiff is going to take you over the top if you don't pay attention. And I think against, against Alabama, Michigan will struggle a little bit because uh, not always having that size and that power at linebacker all the time uh, will, will, will not be good for them. But, but I think Ohio State is, is, is fraudulent. And the only reason they haven't been exposed is because Urban Meyer does such a good job of hiding their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And then Washington – I think Washington is more of a fraud because I think they've got a tough schedule and they're just learning how to deal with five times. I think Washington is going to be a beast going forward. They, people forget how good Washington was before USC came along and before they went through some of the times they went through 
Washington was a dominant team out in the Pac-10. They used to grab the kids from California. They had their own back, kids in their own backyard. Uh, they get Northern California. I've got a couple kids from Southern California. They spread it out, and then they, they make some things happen over in Washington. But I think this year they, they're still in that learning mode, and i got to feel they might take another hit. And the way they were exposed by USC might hurt them uh, when, they, when they go into their own rivalry game against Washington State and you know, the possibility of who they might see in championships. So I think Washington is the other fraud based on this. You know, I, so I agree with you. You didn't say a fraud. Who's the other fraud? Oh, I, did. I, I agree with you on Washington only because, like I said, I think they're a year away. Uh, and mm-hmm. and Washington they had a couple of real close calls. Uh, for me, though, I'm sorry, the eyeball test calls Clemson a fraud. Okay? I, everybody's talking about, well, that loss might have really uh, helped them out. I don't agree with that. I think Clemson was a better team on both sides of the ball, across the lines last year. And I think that you're starting to see some cracks there. And you're asking Deshaun Watson to do a lot. Do you know Deshaun Watson's uh, turnover rate is is astronomical? If he played for anybody else that wasn't called Clemson, he wouldn't even be considered a Heisman candidate this year, okay? He is not having a good year as far as turnover ratio. All right, people are not watching that. They're going on last year. They're going on Dabo Sweeney. And this team, to me, is a fraud. They've almost, they have almost should have lost to North Carolina State, okay? Uh, they, 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 yeah, they beat uh, Louisville, but that was another turnover fest, okay? That was another turnover fest. Uh, and, and so you, you're talking about a team that should be blowing teams up. They, Troy gave them a game. And now we, now we talk about what happened at Pittsburgh at home. Okay, another five turnovers. That, to me, is the biggest fraud in the top seven. In the top ten, your biggest fraud is Oklahoma. Nobody in the Big 12 should be in the top ten, okay? Not legitimately, okay? I mean, you had two big games, and you got your doors blown off both times, and everybody you've beaten has been proven to be a fraud. Your Baylors, don't, you know, they're a fraud. Okay, you got West Virginia, then what? Okay, that's just they're they're the, they're the junior varsity of the Power Five conferences. So that's the other one in there, and and it, it, to me, it's appalling that they even got that team in the top ten. Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, I I got uh, I, I'm I'm with you on uh, uh, on Big Twelve. I'm I'm not quite understanding um, uh, what's going on with them. They they. They they have some fraudulent behavior uh, all, all throughout there. The, the team that I can't call a fraud or not, the truly truth is Louisville, and part of it is because Jackson Lamar is so devastating that he hides so many weaknesses that I don't know what like you don't want to say bad about him because when you hear about it, he gonna he gonna crush your team. It's like he's a person. That, it's like my name is my name. He like the model of the group. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, he's like, you want it one way, but it's the other. And so you, you, nobody want to talk about Louisville in a bad way because you don't want to make that young man mad. He might, he might score seven touchdowns a game on you. So I don't know what to say about him, other than not say anything. So hopefully he'll play Michigan. But the reason why I, 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 I talked about Clemson being not a fraud because the thing we forget is 
They'll have a run through the ACC. Then they're going to have a long time off before they have to play another game. And what I think will happen is there's a lot of pressure to get back to the, you know, for a team like, like Clemson who lost, I think you get distracted because your only measurement of winning this year when you have someone like that is not about winning the ACC championship. It's about getting back in the Final Four and redeeming yourself for a championship. And when you want to run like that, you're going to have a lot of hiccups in the road. But let's say once you get voted in to being back in, the, you know, in that Final Four, now they got about a month of practice. And I think in that month of practice for a player like him, that's, if you're a team playing him, that's the most dangerous time to be because he's had enough time to look at film. Now he can take a break, almost go into another preseason type of atmosphere, correct a lot of things that he's been doing, probably prepping. You know, it's, it's a time when a lot of coaches uh, give reps to some backup folks, give them some chance to gain some skill. And I think he's the kind of person who will grow the most in a break like that. I think the only other player that might grow more is whoever might be the quarterback for Michigan because Harbaugh will have an opportunity to coach them, you know, for a month to get ready and, and, and really get some things in. But I, I would say Clemson is going to grow a lot if they make the Final Four between their final championship game and their first game, which makes them dangerous. Yeah, if they and get there. Say, say, <laughs> say what you want to say about Dabo. And I said a lot about it. He knows how to pull those strings. It starts, you know, he like a southern preacher. He starts to lay that hammer out, and and people start to make that run on. Him. All right. Yeah. So you know, we had a couple things we wanted to, we 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 we, uh, we wanted to hit on it. But this this is a question I want to hit to end this segment because I know we had a couple things. Because I like this. Let's get back to it. Which coach in this group do you think is gonna? You know, coaches have a way of outthinking the world, right? Sometimes they just overthinking. You know, sometimes it's just about playing and they're outthink the room. Who do you think out of this group of coaches are going to outthink the room and cost their team? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, if I had to pick, I was, I'd have to pick uh, Chris Peterson uh, from Washington. Mm. Because, and the reason mm. why I say is this. You know, he used to be the coach of Boise State, Okay. When Boise State was 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 uh, shocking the world and beating the Oklahomas in the in the Fiesta Bowl, so that tells me that here's a coach that's willing to take a chance, especially if it gets tight, and to try to wake his team up. Uh, I've already seen some questionable uh, plays by Chris Peterson uh, to try to get his team over the top. He's been fortunate. He was fortunate in the Arizona game. He was fortunate in the Utah game, not so much so against USC. They got the big rivalry game, the Apple Cup, against Washington State. They win that game, they're going to probably have an opportunity to play for the playoffs. I don't think they win it. I think he tried to be too cute, and I think it costed them that ball game. Well, there's a lot of good coaches in this top group. Um, And so if I were to look at this, Wow, this is a good one. I, you know, the the the, the, the this two, but the one I'll pick is Bobby Petrino because I, he, he he's the one with snake oil. Yeah, and he's he holds he holds this one together with tape 
and mirrors and everything else. And I would say if he got in the moment, he might try to outthink himself. I think sometimes having a great player like Lamar Jackson, there are sometimes when you want you need to you need to be in structure in certain moments and not just be an be improvising. Or this, you know, he's got a he got a defense that he can utilize more to help him win games. And he might do some things offensively that might put them in bad positions and not know, you know, not respect the fact he's an offensive coach. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, um and he's got but he's got a defense that could be could really help him. And I, I think, you know, he could put them in bad positions in which I think their confidence might erode against some of these top level teams. So I think that could be relying too much on Jackson to to win it could could cost him. Right. But there's a lot of there's a lot of great coaches in here, man. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna flip on it. All right, man. The last part of this segment, you know, we're next time we'll get a little bit more into some NFL talk. But the last part of this segment I call If I Rule the World of Sports. Let's think about this. In any sport you had, if you had a chance to rule the world and, and make a decision, what what kind of change would you make in, in what sport? Oh, this is so easy for me. You, we ain't got enough time, but I'm gonna give you a couple. The first one, if I was rule, if I could rule the world of sports, in the NFL, if I catch the ball and I'll take two steps and I fall down and the ball comes out, that's a catch. I'm sick of this in the process crap. I watched on Monday night the Cincinnati Bengals player catch the ball, take two steps and fall down, and they call it an incomplete pass, unreviewable. That drives me crazy. That's a catch, okay? Stevie Wonder could see that's a catch. And they need to change that. That is annoying. The other one is from college football. And this one drives me nuts, the targeting rule, okay? If you can't get it right, don't, don't, don't uh, eject any players. They don't know what they Again, I'm watching the Michigan game. Because the buffoon punter for Iowa can't run, does a front somersault. The Michigan player comes and hits him because he don't know which way he's going. He's thrown out the game. That's a terrible call. See, this this is what destroys the fan experience. When you got these little janky rules out here and you don't know how to really enforce them, and you're talking about the letter of law. And one more, in both football and in both college football, make the referees permanent employees. Don't make them part-time. Make them so they know the rules, so they ain't got to come back later on a Tuesday and say, oh, we blew that. You lost the game. Teach them the rules. Make them accountable. All right. So I, I would, I would, we got to talk about that permanent employee one. I don't think that's their fault. I don't think you'll get more out of them if you're a permanent employee, but I, we can argue that one. I think that's a good topic for our next next one. Uh, I think it's back what you said. I think it's a rule issue, less of an issue of referees. We'll get back in that. Mine is one simple rule. I thought about this long enough. I got one simple rule in NFL. I'm, I'm calling this the Billy Whitey Johnson rule. Look, when I was a little kid, we played pickup football. Everybody wanted to get the end zone because everybody wanted to do the latest dance done by Billy Whitey Johnson. They want to do the icky shuffle. It, though that was part of the brand, and 
the fact that you're over-legislating, whatever else you do, you don't do anything. This is one's pretty easily, easy. If it's not done towards a specific team, do whatever you want to do. Right. And, and allow for the personality of football to come back in it. When you can start seeing kids in the, uh, like, like we were when we were little who got in the end zone or kids who are a little bit generation older, everybody doing the deep, beyond high step when y'all running your cat to the end zone, that, that brought personality to football in a way that we currently don't see. I'm calling it the Billy, Shop, Billy White Shoes Johnson rule. If, if, it's, if, it's, if you celebrate with your team and yourself, do whatever you want to do. If you celebrate that's directed towards the other team, then give them a warning, then a penalty. And let the game begin. Exactly. I'm with you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for listening to one mic. We're going to give it to Hank for the last few minutes to drop the mic as he takes us, as he takes us out. We're going to let him have the floor. Hank, you got the floor. Okay, you know what? This one is real easy, okay? Under the last couple of weeks, folks, you know, we, this last week or so, it's been kind of stressful for the entire country. You know, all of a sudden, you got people looking at each other sideways simply because of what they think they did on last Tuesday. Listen, let me tell you something. As far as I'm concerned, we're still one nation, all right? If, you, if you're a funketeer, then we're one nation under a groove, okay? If you're religious, we're one nation under God. But we are one nation, Okay, we are one people. You know what? On Saturdays, we all, depending on what stadium you're sitting in, you that you that color. Okay, or that or that brand of colors. You that fight song. Okay, and then after the game is over, we always pat each other on the back. We always shook each other's hand. We always said good game, and we moved on to the next one. You know, as a country, I know some of us aren't very happy. I know some of us are related. But 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 at the end of the day, we all got to be on the same team. We all got to fight for the same cause, and we all play for the same race, ladies and gentlemen, and that's the human race. Let's remember that, okay? So as we go out and start our days, remember that we are all on the same team. And if we do not, and a house divided against itself cannot stand. So we need to be together, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's all good, y'all. The next time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.